I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. If you missed the pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. I imagine you've already done something today, and I don't have to work hard to predict it. I bet you looked into a mirror. Looking into a mirror is something that we all do pretty much every day, and we do it because, well, we can't see ourselves. The mirror is a way for us to see what we look like. I see everyone else around me, but I can't see myself. That's why I look into a mirror. The mirror is a metaphor for self-discovery, and that's exactly how the Apostle Paul uses the metaphor of a mirror, and I want to get to that. But before I get to that, I want to talk about a deep human need that we all have, which is a part of the reason we look into a mirror, because we want to know who we are. Supertramp, the old 70s rock band in their song, The Logical Song, had this refrain in that song. Please tell me who I am. Please tell me who I am. We not only want to know who we are, but we are desperate to believe that we matter, that we're significant, that we're valuable. The poet T.S. Eliot said, we live in an endless struggle to think well of ourselves. Why is that an endless struggle? Well, because the way that we define ourselves, according to Henry Nouwen, the way our culture defines us, is based on three things. I am how I look. I am what I have. I am what I do. I think Henry Nouwen was spot on. Those are the ways in which we evaluate ourselves and evaluate other people. We establish our worth on the basis of, well, how I look, which is my body, my physical appearance, or what I have, my possessions, bank account, social class, car, house. I am what I do my talent, my skills, my accomplishments. This is very real. It is the water that all of us are swimming in, even if we don't know it. But this is challenging. Here's why. Those ways of evaluating our worth are actually precarious. Precarious is a great word. It means it's unstable. It's unreliable. Because, well, if I am how I look, what's going to happen when I age? When... My body isn't what it was before. If I am what I have, well, somebody always has something more. If I am what I do, someone has always done better. So in one sense, when we look into a mirror to try to establish our worth, we discover shame. Remember the the wicked queen in Snow White who stood before the mirror and said, Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror would say, Oh, you are. But then one day the mirror went, it's not you. (laughs) 
She's like enraged. Who is it? Who is it? And then, of course, has to go after Snow White. The mirror can be shaming in that sense. That's the shaming mirror. But then there's also what I call the guilting mirror. The guilting mirror is that sense of guilt that we get because we just haven't done enough. We, we need to do more. We need to do better. Remember the Michael Jackson song, Man in the Mirror. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. That's another kind of mirror. Like take a, take a good look in the mirror and change. So these are ways that we shame ourselves or guilt ourselves, but they don't actually work. I'm never going to discover who I really am by looking into that mirror or by judging myself on the basis of those three things. I am what I have. I am how I look. I am what I do. These are not ways to find out who I truly am. And they don't actually lead to lasting change. They might lead to a temporary change. People say, I just took a look in the mirror and I realized I needed to lose weight or do something. So it it may lead to a temporary change, but authentic change happens from within, intrinsically. And as I said, we'll never discover our true selves through those mirrors. Why is it? Why is it that we can't solve this issue? Well, there's the old adage, you can't fix a problem with a problem. So if I'm looking into the mirror and all I see is my face, I'm relying on me to change my willpower, grit my teeth and try to muster up some courage to make something happen. I will say this, I believe that if we're going to discover who we really are and find the intrinsic motivation to become the person that we want to become, we're going to need to look into a different mirror with a different face. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I want to talk about what has become my favorite verse. (laughs) About five years ago, I was reading Hans Urs von Balthasar. I love Hans. And he was making the point that really the Christian life, Christian formation, discipleship, and so forth, is best understood by 2 Corinthians 3.18. So I'm going to read that verse. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, from the Spirit. What is Paul getting at in this verse? Well, he begins by saying, all of us with unveiled faces. What's that about? In the previous verse, he was talking about Moses. And you may remember that Moses, when he went to Mount Sinai and was given the law, Moses got to be face-to-face with God. Not face-to-face, really, because God said, you can't see me directly, otherwise you would die. So you can see me as I'm passing by. But even that, that connection to God was so powerful that Moses' face glowed, so much so that they had to put a veil on it because it was, wow. And what Paul was saying is the glory of God that was shining on the face of Moses had to be blocked. But in doing so, the people did not get to see the glory of God. Now, 
with that in mind, let's hear 2 Corinthians 3.18 again. And all of us with unveiled faces. See, you and I don't have a veil, and we get to see the glory of God directly. Where? In the face of Christ. And all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror. Wow. What Paul's saying is that we get to see Christ, and it's like looking into a mirror. We look into a mirror, but what we see is not our own face, but the face of Jesus. And when we look into that, then he goes on to say, we then are being transformed into the same image. So as we look into the mirror and we see it is the face of Christ, we're seeing the glory of God, we're being changed from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. So what does that mean? Well, it means three things from this verse. First, we are being transformed into Christ. That's where we talk about Christian spiritual formation is being formed in Christ. But note this, it's not that I'm becoming Jesus. It's the the Christ form of who I am, the person who made my soul, Jesus. I'm becoming my most authentic, true self when I'm encountering the face of Jesus. And that transformation, as I'm seeing the glory of God and that glory is coming into me, is transforming me by degrees, meaning it's not all at once. That's why Paul says that, from one degree of glory to another. And then the verse ends with Paul saying, this comes from the Lord, from the Spirit. Why, why does Paul add that? Because it's not us. I'm not the one that's doing the work. The transforming effect is happening to me. My job is just to look into the mirror. The great John Wesley, such an important influence in my life, founder of the Methodist Church, he asked the question, how do we change? And Wesley said, by fixing the loving eye of the soul steadily upon God. What a great phrase. By fixing the loving eye of the soul steadily upon God. That's exactly what it is. It's being with Christ and with the eye of our soul, not the eye of our body, but because we're not going to see with our physical eyes, see Jesus in the room. I mean, it's possible, but not likely. But the, the spiritual presence of Christ is there. And so we take the eye of our soul and we gaze upon the face of Jesus. That's what Wesley said is how we change. Henrietta Mears, I love Henrietta Mears. She was a Bible teacher at Hollywood Presbyterian Church in Southern California. And she was, though not a scholar, she was, I mean, a deeply, I mean, she knew the Bible so well. In fact, she taught the Bible to guess who? Billy Graham. <laughs> Billy Graham was one of her students. But Henrietta Mears said this. She said, the Christian life is not trying to be good or trying to be like Jesus. And right away, you got to stop that and go, wait, whoa, Henrietta, wait. Are you sure the Christian life's not about trying to be good? Is, are you sure? Nope, she says. Wait, it's not trying to be like Jesus? She says, no. And then she goes on. The Christian life is seeking to have a deeper experience of fellowship with Christ. Oh, I love that quote. What is the Christian life? Well, I can try to be good, but it isn't in me. I can 
I can try to be like Jesus, you know, I can I can wear a WWJD bracelet and say, well, what do you do? I want to do it. I'm going to fail. But what I can do and what will actually change me is to have a deeper experience of fellowship with Christ. I find that when I'm face-to-face with Christ, the more I do that, the more I change and become like Christ, but not by direct effort. I mentioned Hans Urs von Balthasar, and I'm going to quote my favorite quote from this wonderful theologian. He compares this process of transformation. He's using this verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and he compares it to a mother looking with loving eyes at a child. This is what Balthasar writes. After a mother has smiled at her child for many days and weeks, she finally receives her child's smile in response. Wow, I've seen that many times, and I remember it with my own kids. You know, an infant comes out, an infant, newborn, they can't see all that well. It takes a while. They, we think they're just, it's kind of fuzzy, and then it starts coming. But the parents, and often the grandparents, are, are just staring lovingly into that face. And the child doesn't get it yet. Uh, the child may smile, but it's probably gas early on. <laughs> but eventually, eventually, the child looking at the mother, looking at the child's face with his incredible look of love. That's what Balthazar is saying. She has awakened love in the heart of her child. And then he goes on to say, in the face of Christ, the primary foundation of being smiles at us as a mother and as a father. You see what Balthazar is doing? He's saying, okay, just like a parent or grandparent or, you know, aunt or uncle, they're, they're smiling at the face of the child, and the, the child finally smiles back. They realize that they're loved. In the same way, Balthazar says, when we look into the face of Christ, the one who made the universe, the primary foundation of being, God is smiling at us. Can you imagine God smiling at you? And just as he says, just as the mother or father awakens the love in the child. So the face of Christ smiling at us awakens love for us. Balthazar says, insofar as we are his creatures, the seed of love lies dormant within us as the image of God. But just as no child can be awakened to love without being loved, so too no human heart can come to an understanding of God without the free gift of his grace in the image of his Son. Oh, I love that. That's the idea, the smiling face of Christ. When we see it, that seed of love that lies dormant within all of us is awakened. And it's such a beautiful thing. Especially because we live in a world that shames us, as I said, that those shaming mirrors. And so when we think about, well, who I really am, and we have so much shame, we think, well, I can't really be who I am. So we have to put on a mask. We have to somehow keep people from seeing who we really are because we're ashamed of it. But what Paul is saying and what Wesley was saying and Henry Ramirez is saying and Balthazar is saying is, no, 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 we don't need to hide because the love of God is coming through. We can take off those masks. When we create space to be alone with Christ, When we look into the mirror and see the glory of Jesus looking at us, smiling at us, that's this mirror effect that changes us. Because here's what Jesus 
will say to you, I delight in you. You are my beloved. You are perfectly designed as you are. You are divinely desired. You are sacred and holy. You can do all things through me. How do we do this? How do we fix the loving eye of our soul on God as Wesley encouraged? Well, it's through solitude and silence. It's through meditation and prayer. It's through scripture and study. It's through worship and gratitude. For me personally, I set aside time each day just to be in the presence of Christ. Now that does require silence and solitude. I'm busy and hurried and have lots of things and screens that get in my way. I can't do this unless I go into a quiet place and I have a place in my home where I go, I have my chair, and that's where I go to just sit with Jesus. And I let him speak those kinds of words over me. And that's that transforming effect, the glory of God, that I can see him face to face now. That's the new covenant that we live in, not the old covenant that Moses was under. We can actually see the face of Christ, and that is a face of love. But, you know, sometimes I think it's challenging for us because, well, if I'm just being honest, I think many of us are scared to do this, to, to sit alone in silence and pray. We think maybe God won't show up or maybe he doesn't really like me. But I can tell you this, folks, it's only in that kind of prayer, that silence, that meditation, where we're quiet, only there will we discover how compassionately God views each of us, and we are longing for that. We are hungering for that. In her wonderful book, The Way Up is Down, Marlena Graves tells the story of an interaction she had with her daughter. Let me read this story. Several years ago, my then three-year-old Valentina caught me staring at her. Mommy, why are you looking at me like that? She caught me off guard. I didn't even know I was staring. Because I love you and I delight in you, I said. She must have caught my eyes glued on her, sparkling in delight. A moment later, it occurred to me to further respond with, God looks at you that way too. You mean, God looks happy at me? She earnestly inquired. Yes, I said. God always looks happy at you, I emphasized. Well, Then I look happy at Jesus, at you, at Daddy and sisters, she concluded. When she finished, I think she could see me beaming with even more happiness. I love that story. God looking happy at us. Little Valentina, three years old, seeing her mom staring at her with delight And then realizing, God looks at me this way too? Well, then that's how I look back at God. See, that's, I believe, what God really, really longs for. Not just that we would receive it, but that that God could see that delight in each of us. The happiness that, that we experience 
That's why when the parent stares at the child with a smile for the, at that little infant, when that infant smiles back, oh, it delights the, the, the father or the mother or the grandparents. It delights us. Why? Because we know that they know they're loved. Oh, it's such a beautiful thing. That's exactly what God wants with you. He wants you to know that you're loved. And when he knows that you know that, oh, it brings great joy to God. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you'll join me next week for episode 134. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith, and you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things About Podcast, you can. You can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind? Your answer will be, things above. Things above.